Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Houston Element Podcast. My name is Missy, and I am your host. And today I have the lovely pleasure to sit down with fellow audio engineer and owner of Alpha Animal Productions, Mr. Sean Leak. Thank you. Thank you, Missy. Super happy to be here. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on, man, and willing to share all your wonderful wisdom and stuff. <laughs> so what have you been up to lately? Well, I don't know how much wisdom I got, but uh, I've been... Uh, Doing a lot of live sound, yeah. Um, working some local gigs, yeah, and uh, getting a little intern experience at uh, Wire Road Studio. Oh, that's excellent, man! So, what kind of uh, live sound gigs have you been working as of lately? Um, let's see. The most recent ones, I went out to a uh, college station. Um, got to work at a Austin Mead concert. That was pretty fun. Got to hang out with the band, hang out in the green room afterwards. Y'all know how it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. Um, yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, two days on the road. Oh, wow. Bless your heart. <laughs> so is that was that a, can I ask, country music band or? Uh, so the first night was definitely country music. is 90s country, and that was at a different venue. Um, but the Austin Mead show, that's more of like, it's more of a rock kind of thing, but you definitely hear the, the country influence. Okay. And it's definitely a country bar. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, because I, I worked in, with a production company in College Station, and it's like, it was great experience, but n so much country. Mm -hmm. I was kind of countryed out after three months. I was like, all right, if I don't get any metal soon... <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be mayhem. Get your golden cowboy hat. Oh God. Um. Yeah. 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 We'll 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 come up. We'll cut. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um. So, uh, what kind of gear were you guys working with out there? Um. So a lot of JBL line arrays. Um. I think we were using V. We, they had the VLX in the uh in the big venue at Hurricane Harry's. I think is what it was called. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I think they got the JBL. Yeah, v, VLXs or VRXs, really bad JBLs. Um, and then they had these six uh, dual, like, big old, big old subs. And they were using, and I hadn't, I've never seen this before, but I guess it's called, like, the, like a cardioid sub pattern mm -hmm. where they face three, three subs on either side, but they all face in. And it apparently does this really cool thing where, you know, it blasts a lot of bass outward but keeps it off the stage. Oh, wow. Yeah, super interesting. I had never seen anything like that before. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff we have to invest, man, because uh, a lot of uh, my past experience with when I used to be up in the pit at shows, the bass is just like slapping you across the face. And I'm like, I can't do that anymore. I'm not 21 anymore. <laughs> it's, it's always tough when you're like you're at a venue and they got good equipment, but it's not set up right for the room. So you get like these weird dead spots or you're just getting absolutely blasted by something and can't hear the rest of the music. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I've noticed a lot lately in a lot of live venues, like whether it's pop, rock, country, they're using a lot of Digico SD consoles. Yeah, so we were actually using the Soundcraft VI, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a lot like the Digico in, in appearance. Um, very good workflow, though. I didn't uh, personally use it a whole lot. Um, I was kind of assisting on that gig, um, but I ran a little two-track recording on my Midas, on my Mr. 18. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, so that was with your um, Alpha Animal Productions project, or was that with another company you were working with? Um, I was assisting um, another engineer who was working for a different production company. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I'm familiar with Hurricane Harry's because I worked with uh, Backstage Sound and Lighting doing some gigs over there, too. It's a, it's a cool venue. Oh, yeah, oh, especially, yeah. Especially when you see, uh, you know, a bunch of folks in their cowboy hats trying to two-step to some, uh, some you know, like, dirty rock and roll. That's, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty entertaining, to say the least. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I've seen it. And it gets packed like sardines in there. I mean, it's a pretty cool place, but, man, it can get packed in there, especially in a college town like that, man. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't overly packed, I'd say. There's a couple hundred people there. But, you know, the size of the venue is actually impressively big, you know. Mm -hmm. they, I could imagine that it gets packed in there. Mm-hmm. So, and I've worked with the Soundcraft VI 3000 before a little bit uh, with some of my other production companies. So, uh, you like the performance of that console, you say, in comparison to Digico or some other kind of consoles that you've worked with. How do you feel about it? Um, I'd say one of, the, one of the nicest things about the VI is that, like, all, all of your, um, you know, your tools are right there in front of you, like your EQ compressors. Um, you just hit the button and it pops right up on the screen, but you can, it's like overlaid over all your channels. Um, so it just, it just makes for like a really simple workflow. There's not a lot of menu diving or scrolling. Um, for example, the, the X32, it's not a bad console. Um, but I hate the menu diving you got to do on that <laughs> tiny little screen. The VI comes with these two big old screens on them so you know you, you can see everything right there oh yeah oh yeah yeah in comparison yeah like the one like i don't even know what it is it's like five six inch screen on the x32 mm -hmm. versus the soundcraft yeah it's pretty nice yeah the only thing that drives me a little nuts about the digico is that since all the menus change as soon as you go into a different folder you have to keep remembering what your buttons are and it takes a little bit of time to acclimate to that have you had much experience with working with those type of consoles before? Yeah, so what the, what always gets me about the Digico is I always forget to assign the inputs. They're, <laughs> they don't they're not assigned by default. Yeah. So I'll you know I'll start setting up you know my scene and I'll have it all ready to rock and roll and no sound. Yeah. And I'll spend five minutes trying to figure out what the hell I did wrong. <laughs> Sure enough, didn't assign the input because I, I don't know oh. of any other consoles where you they don't already have like, you know, a one to one assignment. Um, but the Digico, yeah, you definitely have to assign it yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I mean, I haven't used uh, the Digico since uh, leaving Sanjak. I've mostly worked with X32 and the mm -hmm. Midas M32 yeah, and me, occasionally yeah. the Soundcraft. But yeah, I remember that with the Digico. I was like, oh, my God, it's always the routing. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, always. <laughs> it's usually the rowdy. Yeah, I've I've got a fair amount of experience with the. I'd say the X32 and the M32 are. I've used those probably the most. Mm. I've also gotten quite a bit of time on the CL and Q, the Yamaha CLs and QLs, which I, I do really enjoy those. Oh, yeah. Those are the standard, basically, you know. Oh, yeah. I use a QL5 at my church, and it's pretty, pretty nice. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Uh, it's pretty user-friendly to me, mm -hmm. you know. It doesn't have, like, I like that you can see... Well, I mean, you see the mutes anyways, but I mean, mm -hmm. some sometimes, you know, you do the mute groups on like, I do the mute group on an X32 at another church and it doesn't do anything. And I'm like, what? What's yeah, going on? yeah. Especially like when you got a bunch of other people working on the same console, you know, something gets moved around. You need to know where it's at. And it's it's a uh, can be a challenge sometimes. Absolutely. So when it comes to saving scenes, which is a big hot issue for people, mm -hmm. like you said, that have to use the same console, are you an USB kind of person or do you 
uh, what is your preference when it comes to making sure that mm -hmm. your scenes are already set up whenever you're doing a gig? Um, so for my personal console, there's not really any concern there, obviously, because, you know, I save it and nobody else touches it. Um, but the the consoles that I do share, I, I also work at a church and um, usually everyone's pretty, pretty good about not messing with each other's scenes and whatnot. And there's not usually too many people working on a console. You know, there there's there's we got one guy who's doing front of house for, you know, the actual church uh, front of um, sanctuary. And we got, you know, one guy on the broadcast console. I mean, it's usually the same person every time. But, you know, a couple other people need to be trained up on it. So, you know, just create your own scene or save the same scene to another file and then just start tweaking it for yourself, which is what I've done quite a bit. So you guys have your own broadcast console? Oh, yeah, wow, you yeah. fancy. Yeah, I think, oh, okay. I think we got the CL at front of house and then the QL in broadcast. I, uh, th I think pretty sure that's if it's not that it's obviously the other way around. But uh, yeah, one of those. Yeah. So do you so then do you have a separate broadcast engineer as well as a front of house engineer, monitor engineer? Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't really have um. So the church uses DP forty eights. Um, basically they're at like Avalons. Um, so the band usually um monitors themselves and handles their own monitors their in-ears mm -hmm. um which is nice because you know that's less work for us to do right but when something goes wrong there's only one or two people who know how to actually troubleshoot the you know the the monitor system so you know if everything's working fine everything's fine yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah i've been there like uh Last Sunday, there was an echoing coming through, and it was actually because the TV broadcast uh, uh, technicians needed to mute one of their sends while we were running the sound from front of house. And, it was like, and then of course, they're like, it's the sound person's fault. I'm like, no, it, it actually isn't my fault today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not today. And so, um, and you said you've been doing your internship as well as in studio as well. So you mm -hmm. have both the studio and the live uh, experience, which mm -hmm. is really good. So do you think that's a very big beneficial for you, especially going into live and pursuing that further? Absolutely. Um, I've always believed that, you know, if you want to be good at something, whatever it is, let's say you want to be good at guitar or, you know, in my case, audio engineering, you can't just study one type of music, you know, if you're trying to learn guitar. you got to branch out. Um, and I feel the same thing applies to audio engineering because um, you'll learn techniques in the studio that while you might not use them in a live setting, it still broadens your understanding of it altogether. And, you know, what if what if most of your experience is in the studio, but you get an opportunity to do like a live multi-track recording? You're going to do some things that the front of house engineer isn't going to want to do or risk doing or isn't capable of doing at the time. Um so it's it's just like adding you know some more tools to the toolbox. Very important to me. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And um, I've noticed like going into some different venues and things like that. Like some people will use Smart, which uh, you know is not very common with you know studio background. But some people use Waves, which is common with studio background. Mm -hmm. Or they'll use um, they'll mix with uh, Ableton Live. Mm -hmm. They mix with uh, Waves Live Desktop. I mean uh, now, and I saw that they have a UAD set up for for Live as well. So do you have you had any experience working with uh, any of those kind of tools as of yet? Um, actually, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, pretty much just Pro Tools and Reaper for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to use Reaper, um, when you're doing like any sort of live recordings, cause you know, it's free. If you don't already have it on your laptop, it takes, you know, 15 minutes to get set up mm -hmm. and you're good to go. 
And then obviously Pro Tools being the standard, you know, you'll see that everywhere. Absolutely. So you commonly use uh, the Pro Tools for your two tracking when you're doing church gigs? Um, well, when we're when we're recording the church gigs, um, we'll usually record a board tape on USB and then um, the broadcast console will send signal to Reaper on one of the computers. So Reaper, <laughs> I okay. guess. Okay. Is what... okay. Excellent. Excellent. So um, how has been the, the very beginning of uh, your audio engineering career? Like what brought you to, up to this point, creating your own production team and so forth? What got you interested? Um, so I, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always really wanted to have my own business, you know, get tired of taking orders from souls eventually. <laughs> you, you decide, maybe, maybe I want to be the asshole this time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I never want to be like that. Um, and, I'm, and I'm very fortunate to have a lot of people in my life who've mentored me in, in audio engineering and to have peers that are highly motivating, like my good friend Missy here, who's, you know, just a real go-getter. And um, being surrounded by people like that has like really motivated me to, you know, expand my skills um, and try to build a business, you know, because I mean, there's there's nothing more satisfying than like building something that's your own from the ground up and, to, and to actually like, you know, start getting some traction and and like for that business to like bring in some money is, you know, it's it might only be 100 bucks, 200 bucks here and there. But, you know, it's the most valuable 100, 200 bucks you can get. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's it's just so cool to see something that you put your two hands, you know, used to build. And then it's like this whole empire. You're like, yeah, mm -hmm. I did that. Like, that's so metal, man. <laughs> absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit more about your production company and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I really got started interning at Scout Bar. Um and learned a lot there just about running sound and everything. I really learned like, you know, what, what all you could, um, you know, what, what you can get away with in live sound, what kind of equipment's necessary. Um, then the engineer I was training under there, he left um, to build his own business. Um, so I started working a lot of shows with him as he has, he would build up gear, you know, keeping an eye on it and see, you know, like what, what kind of equipment is he picking out and stuff like that. And um, just getting to work a lot of shows with him, um, smaller shows to start, um, just really made me feel comfortable knowing that, like, okay, I don't need to have a $15,000 rig to put on a show, you know, um, and, and seeing, like, what kind of shows you can put on with different levels of equipment, I guess you could say, um, it, it just made it seem so much more realistic to me. Getting that experience made me feel more comfortable in, you know, making that step myself. Um, and so from there, you know, I just started making connections with other musicians, engineers, club owners and stuff like that. And, um, you know, started off just working some smaller gigs here and there at some local bars and clubs. And um, yeah, just, just kind of plugging away at that. Oh, and that's wonderful. Looking forward to, um, you know, getting a bigger, better PA all the time. Oh, yeah. Connect, speakers can't get big enough, you know. Oh, no. Oh, and no. I, and I'd really like to add, you know, some lights and um, get somebody on the team that, you know, does photography and just be able to, like, put on the entire show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the kind of things that you think are important when you're trying to start out, you know, doing your own freelance engineering, whether it's studio or live? Like, mm -hmm. like you said, like you don't need a $50,000 budget to get started. You just need to know what you need to invest in 
so that way you can hit all fronts mm -hmm. at the same time. I'd say the most important thing to invest in is relationships because it's, it's hard to get a gig if nobody likes you. And I've seen plenty of engineers that aren't that good, but they know how to work with the band. They know how to work with the venue owner. And they would much rather deal with a, somebody that they can work with than struggle with the best engineer in the world, you know. Really, yeah. So it's, you would say it's an attitude communication kind of thing that mm -hmm. really sells it? Absolutely. You know, because uh, like I said, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of excellent mentors in my life. And if it weren't for those people, you know, I would have a much, much harder time getting gigs because, you know, it's all about word of mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the reason why we got a lot of our gigs we do right now, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much from working with somebody or knowing somebody or a good word of mouth. Absolutely. And so once you get your foot in the door and you start, you know, getting that good word of mouth, what are the kind of things that you think you need to invest in entrepreneur wise if mm -hmm. you want to have like a rig to start out with so that way you can start doing some gigs on your own? Well, um, for fortunately, there's there's a good chance that you can get gigs engineering even if you don't have a lot of equipment or any equipment but if you're looking into if you're somebody who's looking into like you know starting to build your arsenal of equipment um first things first is a pa you know um, and a couple microphones i started off with just getting you know some some cheap behringers um the euro like 112s 212 euro lives um they're okay i mostly use them for monitors now because most of the venues i go to they've already got you know, some amount of a PA system. Mm -hmm. um, it's just about kind of filling in the gaps. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what you'll find is, you know, you might have a venue that's got a lot of this stuff, but maybe they just don't have enough microphones. Maybe they just don't have enough monitors. Um, so starting with, you know, you know, a good, decent little PA, um, getting a couple microphones, and then, you know, getting a console that you can work with um, is a good place to start, I'd say. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, as far as like, uh, what did you do to start getting uh, like you mentioned a lot about having various audio engineering mentors mm -hmm. to help you along the way. So did you do a lot of practicing uh, side gigs with them to help build up the confidence to do these gigs on your own? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, my so about halfway through the audio program at San Jack is when I started interning. Um, and, and, uh, scout bar was my first internship. And after, you know, a month or two there, they actually put me on a front of house gig, um, which was super exciting, you know, getting to work your first front of house. Yeah. Um, and it actually be a relatively popular show. You know, there were probably 200 people up yes. in, it, this was technically at bones up above, uh, scout bar, Okay. but they had the slags in there. And uh, that's who I ran front of, front of house for. So that was, oh, wow. that was pretty cool. I've, I remember, yeah, I've seen, like, mm -hmm. if for y'all that don't know, Scout Bar is pretty much a staple for, like, South, what are we, Southwest, Southeast, yeah, Southeast Houston, Houston area. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big staple. Like, so many bands have come in there from all various kind of genres. So that's really cool that you got to go there and experience firsthand, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, get some uh, shadowing experience there. Yeah, and so absolutely. You just, is that a concierge with San Jack, or you just like walked up in there, just like owning yeah. the place, like, yeah. hey man, I want to learn. So funny enough is, um, you know, I was in Misma's online um, music business class, and we we're just, you know, we were going over the part about, you know, building relationships, and um, you know, just kind of like putting yourself out there, and and yeah, building relationships. And um, I was like, you know, Scout Bar is right across the street from where I was living at the time. I uh, looked him up, looked up the owner's email address, sent him an email. I was like, hey, 
uh, you know, I'm a Sanjak audio student. Um, I was wondering if you could put me in touch with the engineer. I'd be interested in, you know, like shadowing, interning, even if it's just for a day to come in and see how y'all do things. You know, I'd be super grateful. And he put me in touch with the engineer, um, who to this day I got a I got a gig with this guy coming up on the nineteenth. Excellent. And, and we're bringing some um, some Sanjack AEO members with us. Well, that's wonderful. Oh my God, that's great, man. And see, all it was was just you know simple, just hey, an email like, hey, may I do this? And it was the first email I had sent that any you know on this kind of adventure. Yeah. Just first shot, got it. And I was like. Hell yeah. Yes, man. I mean, but that's great, man. I mean, and that's what it takes, man. Like, no one is going to sit here and hand you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Hence why I'm doing a podcast and doing all this other stuff on my own. Because it's like, you know, if I wait all day for someone to give me an opportunity, I'm going to have great, great grandkids. You know, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, uh, you got you got to you got to grab the experience as you can, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise the opportunity is going to pass you up. Yeah, absolutely. And and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that sense. I know there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they have to fight tooth and nail to get a chance to prove themselves. Um, so that no, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, started off the way I did. Um, man, I had something else I was going to say, too, but now I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to what you were saying about, you know, people need to like you. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you are the most knowledgeable person or not. So what kind of traits, uh, besides, you know, obviously being a good communicator, do you think is very important to show mm -hmm. the professionalism, but, you know, the casualness to be, you know, able to vibe with somebody in that industry? Yeah. So, um, first off, like I, I'm generally horrible with putting myself out there and trying to deal with people. But just in when I'm in, in this industry, in that kind of environment, just something something clicks. Yeah. Just and then it starts to work. So, you know, if there's somebody out there feeling like, oh, man, I'm not a people person. I don't like talking to strangers. I got to tell you, neither do I. But somehow it just works for me when I'm in an, in an audio environment. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing. Um, I feel like I kind of got a little off track of your question there, though. <laughs> no, no, no. That's actually really relevant. That's mm -hmm. actually what I wanted to hear, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I like, I get it. You know, maybe you don't like people. I don't either. I prefer animals over people. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> um, that's not realistic, you know? Mm -hmm. And same for me. Like when I am doing an audio gig production gig, it's not a matter of my personal taste or not. It's, we got to get the show on the road. Everything mm -hmm. has to be immaculate. We need to get everything ready. Okay, thinking about the audience coming to enjoy this experience, you know, get the most of it, the artists, everybody, you know, like that's mm -hmm. all that I'm worried about at that moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and another really important thing is um, to be reliable, oh, you yes. know, be professional, be reliable, you know, because I mean, the music industry is fraught with people who are just there to party. And, you know, and being an engineer you're, you're not just the engineer. You're the stage manager most of the time. you got to get the bands off and on when they need to be off and on. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a lot easier to get your point across when you're sober and, uh, you know, they know you do your job well. Um, so it's building that reputation, you know, and that's that'll help, you know, people spread your name around. That helps with, you know, how you're able to communicate with people. Because if, if they know you're reliable and they know you know your stuff, you can say this is how it should be and they'll make it happen. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Once you put in that work and shown, you know, that effort, then they're like, mm -hmm. okay, there's water to this person's advice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they would much rather call you back rather than take their chances on somebody they don't know yet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it, you, you know, you, we, we're providing them a service with, you know, doing sound reinforcement, but it's also a personal relationship. You know, they feel comfortable with you. They, they can express their art with you. And that's the best way to get the most out of the performance. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because art is a very personal thing. And so is, you know, obviously music is art. Um, so, you know, it's important for, you know, I feel that it's important for the engineer to be comfortable with the artists and, and back and forth, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah, just, you know, gotta be a good person. Right. Do your job well and it'll work out. Right. Just keep plugging away. Right. And, uh, like you said, when you're, you are in the audio moment, you're not thinking about anything, but just trying to maintain good relations, professionals and things like that. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I'm not a country person at all, but if I'm doing a country gig, you best believe I'm gonna make it sound immaculate. Absolutely, you yeah, know? yeah. Like that's all I'm concentrating about. Mm -hmm. So, have you had experiences where you weren't so familiar with the genre, but you still had to bring out the most in that performance, regardless? Yeah. So, um, had this really interesting experience. Um, I got hired to work a gig uh, downtown Houston at this little jazz club, and um, it was it was kind of it was a very interesting experience all around. I was told that there was going to be a PA system and like an eight channel console there that they they they're only going to need a couple mics, no big deal. It's going to be super easy. But something was just a little off, you know. I just I just had this feeling, so I'm like, you know what? As I'm loading up, I decide to bring all of my gear, and I decide to show up like three hours early. And boy, am I glad that I did, because their PA system was a single EV tower. <gasps> their console were the was the little inputs in the back of the EV tower. So uh yeah, and and this was this was, you know, a nationally touring jazz artist coming through. Oh no. Yeah. That I was mean, not going to cut the butter. Absolutely not. And honestly, my PA system, you know, it was bare minimum for what, you know, for what they needed at that show. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, it was a small venue, so we were I was able to pull it off, but um but, you know, I've, I've hardly ever worked on jazz, especially without, you know, the drum set wasn't mic'd up. I had to stick a 57 in the piano. Fortunately, um, the lead singer slash trombone player, she brought her own trombone mic. Um, so it was a very interesting mix environment for one because, uh, you know, you, you don't have mics on everything. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to make sure nothing's, you know, everything's got to be quiet enough to be able to hear the piano but nothing needs to be so loud that you can't hear the drums. Very, very strange mixing environment. And on top of that, it was just like a long rectangular room with like pillars in it. And they were like in the corner. It was super strange. So making that work with music that I am very unfamiliar with, you know, was, uh, was one of the more challenging gigs. But it was also one of the most rewarding. And, yeah. when, and when I tell people, in my opinion, what separates a good engineer from a bad engineer is how do they react when something goes wrong, you know? Very and, true. You know, because uh, it's it's easy to for everything. When everything's working right, it's easy to, to do your job. Mm -hmm. But when things go wrong, it's, you know, how you compensate for that or how you correct it and how quickly you do that, I think, is what really separates the wheat from the chaff. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And I mean, it's not that no one wants to, you know, call you back or nothing like that. But if you don't show progress, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not likely to get any calls back, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. So, and that's like me and my new church gig. You know, I've been there for about a month, so they're still trying to check out how my sound is and things <laughs> like that, whatever. But then, you know, we got a new PA system, curveball. All mm-hmm. right, now I got to make sure that my mixing stays on key, you know, because they hadn't fully tuned the room with this PA yet, but mm-hmm. it still has to sound good. The service is about to go on, you know, no pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, you know. I mean, like anything can happen at a live show, and that's part of what you know has drawn me to live so much. Because I, I thought I was going to be a studio engineer when I started, yeah. like most people do. But you know, once you get your, you know, get your your feet wet in the live sound industry, it's a whole different ball game. It's never no no two shows are ever the same, even at a church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Um, uh, the church that I work at um, is a most majority Nigerian community. And uh, now I get to experience mixing in a whole another language that I'm not even used to oh, hearing because yeah. they had a service, a memorial service, and they were speaking in the native tongue. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. I was like, wait, what are they saying? I don't know. I was <laughs> like, but I better make my mix on, you oh, know, yeah. like that's the beauty of life sound. You're always on your toes. You're like, I may have never heard this before, but I have to make it sound great. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And fortunately, everything went well. Got good feedback. I was like, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So have uh, for me, I'm a big language person. So I've done churches and a Spanish service, English service, and now in Nigerian language <laughs> service, you know, which is great because mm-hmm. I get to expand my hearing, you know, training and mm-hmm. things like that. Have you had any experience with trying to mix a band from a different genre or different language, anything like that, and had a difference in mixing techniques? Um, so far, my, my only experience with that is uh, one of the bands that's been coming into the studio lately. Um uh, they're called La Esfinga, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, they're a metal band. Um, the lyrics are all in Spanish, and they kick ass, by the way. They mm-hmm. sound killer. Um, but, I mean, the mixing is pretty much the same. You know, I, I, not knowing Spanish very well or hardly at all, you know, it's hard to know, like, I guess, which phrases are supposed to be more prominent than others. But, you know, you hear it in the music. You can hear in the music what's the verse, what's the chorus, what needs to be louder and whatnot. Um, and, but that's my only, basically, that's my only experience mixing in a different language. Okay. Yeah, I had a conversation about this with my mom, and, and she's not very audio inclined, but, I mean, she's, you know, she's more fluent in Spanish than I am from South America, and she has an ear for different Spanish accents. And then she told me, well, I was t- talking to her about how compression works, and she's like, oh, just wait till the day you have to mix a band from Spain. She's like, you're going to have P's and S sounds oh. all over the place, oh, wow, so you just yeah. be ready for that. I was I like, okay. I think of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, those are interesting things to think about, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, with uh, the service that I did on uh, Friday, the memorial service, I didn't have that much, you know? There wasn't a lot mm-hmm. of and you know in there you know a yeah. little bit yes obviously we had compression running mm-hmm. but it was not as severely as say if you had somebody that was speaking in spanish where they have a lot of p's and s sounds and things like that mm-hmm. you're like your de-esser monitor is going oh yeah crazy. yeah i bet i bet so um how so once did you start uh your um alpha animal productions project um a little over a year ago about a year and a half now 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, it was just ready to get started. And I was like, you know, let's go ahead and do the paperwork and get this get this started up. So when I uh, fired up the old Instagram page, and um, you know, it's just a, just mostly just an advertising tool. You know, at this point, it's just me. But the idea of having it, uh, you know, having the the business be you know official and legitimate is that a it's it's a motivating factor, um, and you know because I would I want to have other people work for me or work with me at least at some point, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'd like to be the guy that calls somebody else up and says, hey, you know, I got a show um, at such and such place, but I'm already working another show, so can I have you? come take care of this one for me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just, just really hoping that it'll, you know, develop. And that's wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, uh, similar, like with what I did with, uh, making a social media for just my audio outside mm-hmm. of my podcast, Houston audio group, you know, it was a way to reach people on social media, but in a professional stance. Exactly. And I just figured out how to use the hashtag for audio, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I'm very proud of because now I can network with other audio engineers and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like hashtag, what is this celebrity wearing? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually networking purposes. You yeah, know? I'll tell you that social media game is tough for me. There's, I went about ten years, not using any Facebook, Instagram, or anything, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I still don't really even have a personal one. I'm just using, uh, you know, my Alpha Animal Productions Instagram page to, you know, communicate with other engineers and and people in the industry. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm figuring it. I'm still figuring it out. I probably never will figure it out entirely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's always constantly changing. But I mean, so is the technology and gear for audio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. So is there any kind of last bit of advice you'd like to give to anybody that's inspiring to do audio engineering? Um, I would say keep if, if you're interested in getting into audio engineering, um, keep an open mind. Don't get uh, too... I don't know, one track focused on a particular type or part of audio engineering, because as an audio engineer, you're going to be doing it all. You're going to be messing with lights occasionally. You're going to be messing with video. And of course, you know, you'll be doing a lot of different kinds of sound. Um, So just keep an open mind and, uh, you know, get as much experience with as many different things as you can. Be reliable and just be a good person. And it'll it'll work out. Try to find a mentor if you can. One, I 100% agree. Yes, because it's all well and good to be proficient in one area, but if you're not a jack of all trades, you're not going to be as beneficial. You right, know, you're exactly. not going to be able to do as much work. You know, and it it feels so good when like you have this skill that you don't get to use very often. You know, let's say say you're an audio engineer, but you you know you know how to work a camera. Let's say that they you know. There, somebody's like, hey, any chance you know a cameraman or camera woman? And you can be like, actually, I can do camera work too. Yes, yes. I was telling that with one of my uh, stagehand friends the other day. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm do- trying to do more audio stuff too. But, you know, I, I, I didn't realize how much I would love the build aspect until I became a stagehand. And I'm so glad I did stagehanding before audio engineering because now it's like, oh, man, we got problem with the lights. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with the connection. I'm like, out of my way, peasants. 
Yeah, and as, as much as doing that, you know, the groundwork like that might suck, it's so worth it. I mean, I personally don't think it sucks. I mean, I don't, I don't like lifting heavy stuff all day long. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's super, super important to the process and learning how it all works. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. And um, if you're an audio engineer and you've never ran feeder, you're not an engineer. <laughs> okay? All right? Just shoot. All right? No points to you. No points for you, Glenn Coco. Okay? None. <laughs> all right well thank you so much sean for coming on and sharing all of this beautiful wisdom with us thank you thank you for having me absolutely thank you so much and uh you guys listening out there pay attention to this man because he knows what he's talking about all right and if you want to get in contact with sean you know if you're interested in joining his team you know learning some stuff whatever hit him up on instagram and facebook we'll put the links in the description and be good. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Love, peace, and hair grease, y'all. <laughs> peace.